Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. We're starting a series today, um, a three-part series on fundamentals of family. That's what it's going to be called, fundamentals of family. And today... We're speaking on the subject of celebration. We're going to talk about celebrating families. We're going to talk about celebrating families today. And it's a, it's a wonderful time. This is a beautiful day. It's an awesome day. And if you're here for the first time, we welcome you. If you're here for the umpteenth time, you know you're always welcome. But we're delighted to see everybody. It's a beautiful crowd, beautiful audience. And thank you for being here. Would you stand to your feet all over the house one more time? I know it feels like calisthenics. Everybody say, Pastor, Pastor. preach the word to us today. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach the word to us today. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach the word to us today. Let me walk out of here a different person than what I was when I came in. Clap your hands and you may be seated. You're awesome, awesome, awesome people. I want to give a shout out to big old Octavius Bishop. Octavius is a, uh, our men's pastor here, and he's an incredible man. He and his wife, Dawn, have two children. Octavius has been in this church for well over 15 years, been a part of this ministry for a long, long time. What a faithful young man, and he was just recently promoted. He got a job with the University of Texas as their player development person, and he is there to help. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's good. And... Uh, and they may not win all their games, but having him around is going to make those boys better winners than they ever thought they could because Octavius Bishop is one fine man. He is a, he, he's, he's like my surrogate. He's like my son, and, and I love him very, very much. He's about the age of my son if my son were alive today. And I want to give him and his sweet wife a great hand. Let's give them a hand. I, I just want to honor you today, Octavius. I love you, son. <clears throat> You know, you, know, I, you know, I enjoy telling stories. I like stories. Uh, and Jesus, when he wanted to drive home a truth, he told stories. Like there were 99 safe sheep in a, in a fold, but the good shepherd went searching for that one lost sheep. Like a woman had 10 precious coins and she lost one and she swept the house and found it. Or like a certain man had two sons. We love the stories that Jesus tells. And the Bible never gets any better than here in Luke chapter 15. The thread that binds these stories together, folks, in all three of these instances, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, at the end there was a celebration. There was celebration. Luke 15 says, let's have a feast and celebrate. For my son was dead, the father said, and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. I want to invite today all families in this church, whether you are a single mom, single dad, whether you're a blended family, whether you're just a normal family of husband, wife, two kids and a half, (laughs) a two-car garage to park three cars, I want to welcome you to Christian Life Church today. And I want to tell you something. I think that as a, as a pastor of a congregation, I invite all families 
in this church and the singles to come to the party. I know that it's hard to call church a party, but Jesus brought joy in his ministry. He brought happiness in his ministry. He brought a kingdom of peace. The first thing I want to talk about today is simply we need as a family and as a person to celebrate this thing called life. We need to celebrate life. Somebody say amen to that. Forrest Gump said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Some people say life is like a roller coaster ride. It picks you up, slams you down, jerks you around, and brings you back to where you started. My family used to sing a song often. We'd sing at night. We didn't have TV in our home. We sang at night. And we'd sing life is like a mountain railroad with an engineer that's brave. We must make the run successful from the cradle to the grave. And when Merle Haggard sung that song, I bought the record, listened to the rest of his horrible music just to hear that song. I'd like to say life is like an ice cream cone. The moment you think you have it licked, it drips on you. (laughs) I read about a a kindergarten teacher, her name was Rosemary, who believed in celebrating holidays more than once a year. She was a third grade teacher. She loved good celebrations and saw no reason to wait until the holiday came in order to celebrate it. In fact, Every Monday, how many of y'all folks love Monday? You know, don't even raise your hand because you don't like Mondays. Every Monday morning, Rosemary's class celebrated a different holiday. Every Monday, the little third graders would come in, and she'd have that place decorated with that particular holiday. On an average year, the children would celebrate maybe two Memorial Days or maybe three Valentine Days. They liked that one. Or maybe four or five Thanksgivings or maybe Easter three or four times and then Christmas. And every child in her class also had his or her birthday celebration at least three times each year. Because their spirit of celebration made that year magical for students. I want to say, I want to back that up one day and say, it's not Monday, but it's Sunday. And I'd I'd like to just preach a little bit right now. It won't take me long to get past this, and I promise you I'll get over it. I'm not throwing a fit, but I'm going to get over it. I don't think every Easter is the only time we ought to celebrate resurrection. I don't think every Christmas is the only time we ought to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't think every Memorial Day is the day that we need to honor those that are fallen and those that have have perished. And we did that here today. I think every time we come to church, we need to celebrate everything that Jesus has done in our life. Come on now. Everything that he's ever done in our life. Come on. Has he raised you up? Has he set your feet on a rock? Has he established your going? Has he made your day bright? Has he blessed your life with joy unspeakable and full of glory? I think every Sunday we ought to celebrate another day with Jesus. We ought to celebrate this thing called life, 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 life. I've got a little three-year-old granddaughter sitting over here. She may be back in the, th- in the, in the office now. She, uh, she brought her white notebook today. She'll be three the 30th of this month, and she, uh, she wants to preach. And uh, I don't want her to. <laughs> but I told my son-in-law, if he had her out here, I'd bring her up, but he's, she's not out here. But I was, all, all she's going to say is, Jesus loves you. That's all she's going to say. But she thinks she is a preacher. 
She ran in my office today and, and made me realize again what I'm going to preach, that life is a gift. Everybody say life's a gift. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you can't get excited about the gift of life, I don't know what, what crank I need to turn to help you today. If you're so mad at yourself that you can't get excited because you're alive today, you need an Alka-Seltzer. You need some help. You need some help. Everybody say it's a gift. I didn't earn this. I didn't engineer it. I don't have a lot of choices how it ends. But while I'm alive, I've got a precious present. It's a thing called gift of life, a moment, a shining sliver of time in which to live and to move and to have my being. That's why I love birthdays. That's why I tell y'all time after time during the year, don't forget 1228. And then I go on this pity party of me not having a birthday party many, many years because it was so close to Christmas. And it really happened. That really happened. And I want you to feel sorry for me. It really happened. I didn't have birthdays. Mama would give my birthday present to me after she gave me a Christmas present. Said, son, we won't have a birthday party this year, but here's your birthday gift. And I say, thanks, Mom. And I thought it was just normal. And then when I see what we do for our kids, our kids come running in. We give every one of our grandkids birthday, pres- uh, birthday parties and presents, and we give all of our kids. We have big shindigs, big shindigs. And then when I have my birthday, we still have a big shindig, but I pay for it. But birthdays are more than just celebrating our doing. Birthdays celebrate our being. Isn't it good just to be alive? Isn't it great just to be alive? I have this gift. I have this gift called life. I'm alive today. I am here. Birthdays are not about talented musicians. It's not about astute businessmen or women or remarkable athletes. No. Birthdays are about you being you. So everybody that has a birthday this month, happy birthday. Everybody that has a birthday next month, happy birthday. I know you think I'm losing my mind up here. But I'm thinking it's time that we find something that we can celebrate about this thing called life. We're alive today. Come on, somebody get excited with me. We're alive today. I have my health. I have my strength. See, the key to life is keeping this wonder alive until we die. Mother Teresa once visited the United States several years ago. And she went to some of our favorite and best nursing homes and and places where our older and infirmed people lived. She came away confused. She said, I saw they had great homes and good food and good television and good everything. But I failed to find a single person in any of those homes that had a smile to give me back. I'm used to seeing smiles on our people, even the dying ones smile. So I want to ask you, is life more of a burden or is it a blessing? Here's what I want to talk to you about. Everybody's got trouble. Everybody has problems. But somebody needs to understand that when you have Jesus, you have a solution. You have a solution to your problem. And I'm preaching very plain today, and I'm going to preach in a little while. But it's time that we celebrate the fact I'm alive. I'm all right. I'm in the house of God. And I will celebrate today that I am alive and I am a gift. And God has blessed me with this thing called life. Clap your hands real big. Not only is life a gift, but life is a trust. A trust is gifts received or trust to be invested. So if we have this gift of life, then we have to invest it because we are trusted 
to invest our life in the right proper way. Herein lies the tragic mistake, folks, of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. He thought life was an entitlement to be seized, to be taken, to be demanded. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Never mind that such action meant a total surrender of his father's social security and certainly a route to an early grave for that father. Those who understand Middle East customs, Middle Eastern customs suggest the boy in essence said, drop dead, old man, drop dead. I want my inheritance now. It's hardly an attitude of gratitude for a gift called life. So it comes as no surprise that he squanders his wealth and wild living and loses everything he has because greed always leads to need. I'm going to say it again. Greed always leads to need. And the Bible said he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. In every generation, folks, almost in every family, there are prodigals among us. There are people that just backslide from family. They backslide from home. They slide away from relationships. They slide away from hope of a home life. They don't want anything to do with moms and dads and sisters and brothers. They just kind of pull themselves away. And it's hard to do business, folks, with greedy people. It really is. It's damaging to families to have greedy siblings. It's harmful in communities when people are content to consume the corn and eat the fish and leave behind the dirty dish. But that's what happens. One emergency room doctor turned environmental evangelist, Dr. Matthew Sleeth, was estimated we could cut energy by 14% if we only kept the Sabbath day holy. Listen to me now. Take one day a week, he said, and stop driving. Boy, that'd be tough. Stop shopping. Honey, that means don't go to H-E-B today. <laughs> Quit working and actually rest. It might not only save our environment, he said, it might save us. Life is a trust. We must invest life wisely. Right. I want you to celebrate one more time. Your family, come on, your life. Celebrate one more time before I start preaching. I'll fix the preach to you. Everybody say we need to celebrate life. Because life is a gift. Life is a trust. Wow. And now I want to preach we need to celebrate homecomings. I want to preach today. This is what I want to preach. You can go home again. I declare to this congregation that when the prodigal came to his senses, he said, I'm going to arise and go back to my father. Thomas Wolfe in his famous 1940s novel says, you can't go home again. And in, in essence, he's probably right. He said, you can't go home to your family. You can't go back home to your childhood. You can't go back home to the young man's dream of glory and fame. You can't go back home to the old forms and the systems which are changing all the time. Nevermore was it true than this story that Thomas Wolfe wrote. And there was, a, there was a cosmonaut back in 92, a Russian cosmonaut that was supposed to stay in space for three months. And he stayed 311 days because after he left Russia to go into space, things started changing. The country which he blasted off from after a few months was not even the same country. The red hammer and the sickle flag emblazoned on his space vehicle no longer denoted a viable political entity. The space agency that sent him aloft was broken up and even his hometown had a brand new name. And because of political changes, oh, I want to preach in a minute, and disputes among newly independent states, what should have been a routine three-month stay aboard the Soviet space station Mir 
lengthened to almost a year. And poor Sir Guy was stuck up there all that time. And when he got back, it wasn't the place that he left. So in essence, Thomas Wolfe was right. You can't go home again. I can't go back to playing marbles, folks, on the playground of my grade school. I used to have the biggest killer marble you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and I could thump it. Somebody said, was you competitive? I won every day. <laughs> the school's no longer there, so I can't play those marbles again. I can't go back to playing trombone in my junior high school band. Some of you never knew I played trombone. I didn't play it well, but I was third or fourth chair. Given my current state of health and my lack of mobility and agility, I'm probably never going to play another full court game of basketball, a game that I truly love. I might still be able to play horse, but that's about it. The moving finger writes, folks, and having written it moves on. However, there's another sense in which Wolf in his novel was all wrong. If by going home, it means to return to the essence of who I am. If by going home, I find my true identity and my spiritual self again then I dare not go on until I go back. I want to preach something today. I want to preach that you can go home again. I want to preach that there are still churches that still believe that God can still do anything and everything. He can heal us. He can still save us. He can still redeem us. He can still bring prodigals out of the pig pen. He can still bring people out of their mess. He can still bring people and put them on the road called righteousness and put their foot on a firm foundation and let them rise up and call him Lord. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. I'm preaching now. I woke up this morning. I had that, I had that old feeling, that old feeling of, of how the Lord used to just bless me as a kid and I would just have so much fun loving him and praising him and nothing else mattered and nothing else was a concern of mine. I didn't worry about where my next meal was coming from. I didn't worry about if mom and dad didn't have a job. I didn't worry about that because dad always provided and mother was always there. And I know that I'm preaching to people where that did not happen. But I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, I want to make Christian Life Church the kind of place that mom and pop would be proud of. I want to make this place a place where people can come weeping and leave rejoicing, can come sad and leave happy, can come despondent and leave overwhelmed, can come bent over and leave standing tall, and can come hurting and be healed. I preach that today. There still is churches in this world where the Holy Ghost can still do a mighty act in people's lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can go home again. Three things I want to tell you. Number one, we came from God. Man didn't make you. Man didn't make you. Everybody in this house is as important as everybody else. We came from God. 
The government didn't shape us. We came from God. God made every one of us. God created every identity. He created every culture. He created every race, every nationality. We came from God. Get a hold of it and get happy. Number two, we belong to God. Everybody say, we belong to God. We're about to have church around here. I don't know if you know it or not. No matter how far you roam, no matter how high you climb, no matter how low you stoop, you still belong to God. And number three, God is waiting with open arms to welcome us back. I love the scripture in Jeremiah that says, I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful. Only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God and that you have not obeyed my voice. Return, O faithless children, and I will bring you to Zion. I love a God with these kind of arms. And I love a preacher with these kind of arms. And I love a church with these kind of arms. Because everybody matters. Everybody counts. Let me tell you something. While that prodigal son was away doing his thing in that hog pen, there was a father back home getting ready for a celebration. Hallelujah. The day that boy left, that father said, put that cow, put that calf in that pen and feed it right now. And he went over to the tailor and he said, my son's an XL. I want the finest robe you have. Fix it for me. He went to the jeweler and he said he wears 11 on his left hand and a 12 on his right hand. He's a big old boy. Get the ring ready. He went over to the cobbler and he said, cobbler, I want you to get some shoes prepared because my boy who was lost is going to come home one day. And what I want to tell you is we can't walk in here every Sunday and act like we've lost our life and we don't have anything to be happy about. We've got a lot to be happy about. We're preparing for a day. We're preparing for a day when prodigals start walking back in the house of God and start coming back to the kingdom of God. We're getting ready. We must celebrate the preparation. Hallelujah. 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 See, there's an irrelevant part of this story that I want, to, I, want to, I want to touch on. There's, there's some irrelevancy here, and I want to talk about it. When the prodigal left, when he was in the hog pen, he dreamed of what the father's house was like. And when he came home, he knew what to expect. There's a lot of people that have backslidden from families. I'm talking about fundamental families. And there's a lot of fam- people that have backslid from the church family the family of God, that they're thinking right now, if I go home, if I go home, how will I be received in my family? And the the relevant part of that story was when he came back, he knew the father's house was going to be the same house that he had left. But what scares me in 2016 is that the irrelevancy of this story is that this house won't be accepting and open and most of all will not have a Holy Spirit working in it with joy unspeakable and full of glory 
Just because somebody's not walking the aisle today and giving their heart to the Lord, just because somebody didn't get healed today in service, just because somebody didn't get delivered today in service does not mean we quit preparing for the prodigal that's going to come home. We've got to prepare for the, oh my Lord, the celebration's coming. I think I'm going to do a Toyota dance right now. The celebration is coming. My, my, my. So they begin to celebrate. Now notice further that the angry older brother couldn't spoil the party. The dad told him in verse 32, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Meanwhile, the older brother stays in the field. When he heard about the party, he was angry, he was upset, he was put out and he pouted. Not even the humble pleas of a merciful father can persuade him to join the party. He stays in the field, pouting, rationalizing, and hurting. Now, I don't mean to be pessimistic. I won't be, I'll make one pessimistic thought here. But almost every family I know has a brother, sister, mother, father, son, or daughter who refuses to join the party. I'm talking about fundamentals of family. They're not about to participate in this celebration. See, it's either backsliding or it's bitter. You got kids running away or you got kids won't join the party because when that kid comes back, they don't want that kid to have anything. They want that kid to have nothing. Oh, you know I'm preaching. It's called competition. It's called rivalry. It's called jealousy. It's called comparisons. It's what it's called. And there's not no room for celebration in those kind of people. And when the blessings of one gets pitted against the unblessings of another, the family's in trouble. So what do we do? Here's what we do. And here's what I'm going to do today. As not only am I preparing for the prodigals to come home because they're going to come home. They're on their way right now. If, the, if, a, if a swallow goes back to Capistrano and goes back to its nest, I promise you the prodigals are waking up because this world is not the answer. This world does not have the answer. The only answer is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ and they're coming home. But while I'm preparing, I have to plead also with people that don't want to accept people that maybe have messed up. And somehow we've got to find a balance. They don't deserve God. They don't deserve God. Folks, when I was a kid, we used to have men and women pray through every revival. Then they'd, three, days, three Sundays after revival's over, they're gone again. You know what I'm talking about. Then here they'd come back in. One day I heard an old man say in the church, that I'm, I'm not going up there and praying for him. He's going to have to show me he's going to live for God this time. That's the kind of church I was raised in. I want to tell you something. It don't matter who walks in the door. It don't matter who comes through any door of this church. If they're hungry for God, we've got a place for them at the table right here. Come on. Come on. If your son, your daughter, if your son, let me teach now. If your son, your daughter has gone AWOL on you, you need to set an extra plate at the table every night because you never know when they're going to walk in that door. God Almighty, get ready for the celebration in your family what it's all about that's what it's all about I stayed in a home in Toronto Canada one time preaching I was up there and they put me in a bedroom opposite a bedroom it was it was a basement bedroom and so the window was right at ground level and I saw a, a sign on the door said please do not disturb this room what do you think I did I'm a preacher I can pass that I said I just went on in the room and what I saw was a, was, a, was a note in the window, a note in the window. And it said, son, the window is open. And you're welcome to come and spend the night. If you don't want to see us, it's all right. 
come spend the night and leave before we get up, but the window is open. You're welcome. A preacher, a wife, a minister's wife was reaching out to their son, and I wept so hard because there was a, was a, fresh, a fresh plate of, of food that she had prepared and brought it down and put it in his room. And I thought, oh, God, that's the kind of church I want. I want that kind of church. And after I left there, I prayed. I blessed it. It wasn't my prayer, but I prayed. But that son came home. And he helped his dad in ministry. And God restored him because God is in the restoration business. That's the kind of church I want. I don't care. I don't care if they're not hearing me preach this today. I'm going to put a plate of food out here for them. I preach for you today, prodigal. I preach for you today, elder brother. We're going to have a reunion here one day. And God's going to do a great, great thing in this house. And going to bring the prodigals home. And going to bring the elder brothers out of the field. And we're going to have a celebration. That's what God does. That's what God does. Lord, I've preached too long, but I, I can't quit now. Whether we're preparing or pleading, preparing or pleading, we must continue to celebrate. The party must go on. The joy needs to be shared. Let the celebration continue because one day, folks, homecomings here are only dress rehearsals for homecomings over there. And one day, we're going to make it to a place where tears are wiped away and where disease will reign no more. And one of these days our sins and sorrows will be put behind us and our temptations to roam will be no more. And one of these days justice will prevail and hunger will end and the wicked will be separated. One of these days we'll find ourselves finally home. Home to a God that made us. Home to a Christ who saved us and home to a Holy Spirit that empowers us. Because the Bible said there's already rejoicing right now in heaven over one sinner that repents. Right now, right now they're having, if you've prayed prayer in your heart right now, heaven's rejoicing. They're looking over the balcony and said, hey, 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 come here and look at this one. Look at this one at Christian Life Church. Look at that. My God, that child's found its way back home. Listen to a preacher this morning. Look at that right now. I want to set the table. I want to celebrate families today. Every family has a prodigal probably, and every family probably has an elder brother. And there's siblings that have problems. But I want, I want you to understand something. That I love to see heaven in an uproar. It's going to be a day of rejoicing. The party's going to begin. Let it never end. And if we're going to join the celebration there, we've got to join it here. Everybody say, let's celebrate life. Because it's a gift, and life is a trust. Amen. And let's celebrate homecomings. I had a, I had a little rebellion in me when I was a young man. I don't talk about it often. But I was, I was a good kid. But I had a little rebellion in me. And uh, it wasn't about women. It wasn't about money. I couldn't catch the woman and I couldn't make the money. (laughs) 
But it was about it was about a pastor who was extremely hard on me and made me an example of everything. And I've never told this story, and, I, and it caused me, no, not to quit God, but to not ever want to go to church. And so I went, and I went as a token for my mom and dad. Help me, Brother Kurt. I went as a token for my mom and dad, but I never, I never really went for God and for myself. And that happened as about, as about nine months to a year probably. And I went to a summer camp. And the pastor got up that was preaching that summer camp. And he did everything but call my name. There was a 1, thousand, twelve hundred kids there. He did everything but call my name. He said, You got hurt spiritually. You didn't get hurt in a relationship. You didn't get hurt with loss of job. You got hurt a spiritual situation and you've lost confidence in the spirit world and he said you're sitting right over here he pointed and I tried to move but he had already hit me he knew me he didn't know me but he knew me and I'll never forget when I'm, I made my way to the altar that night every step I took it was like I was throwing off burdens and I realized that no man made me. God had made me. And I belonged to him. And he was waiting for me. And I went. And my pastor never found time to come and pray with me that night. I didn't know that. Somebody told me that. I guess it's trying to dissuade, dissuade me from even living for God again. That's, how, that's some friends, isn't it? Your pastor didn't pray for you tonight. But it didn't matter because God was there. And I promised I would never have a church where we didn't celebrate you and celebrate the things that God can do for you and celebrate coming home spirits. And I know that many of you don't know even what I'm talking about because you're outside and you don't, you don't realize where I'm at. Two little girls came up to me. It's been in rehab in Austin in the first service. They've been coming to this church while they're in rehab. They got, they got passes to come to church at Christian Life all the time they were here. One's from California, the other's from Georgia. And they got to come here. And they, they walked up to me today and said, Pastor, we're, we're getting out of rehab this week. We have to go home. And I said, where's home? And Well, one's West Coast and one's East Coast. And I said, you're not going to be back? I said, no. And said, we hate that because this church. I said, we think we were brought together not by the rehab but by this church. And I, I rejoiced because it solidified what I'm preaching today. That there's a homecoming. God's going to have a homecoming before he takes us to his homecoming. In fact, the Bible said in one version, he said, I will whistle and they will come. My dad used to say, come on home, son. He'd whistle. And I'd come home because I knew my dad's whistle. One day the Lord's going to blow a whistle and we're going to go home. 
But while we're here, let's celebrate Jesus Christ and let's celebrate home going. Come on, let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate it today. Stand to your feet all over the building. You're awesome people. And I love you very, very much. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second, just for a moment, just for a moment. I know I've preached a little lengthy today and I I don't apologize for that. A man was arrested in England, put in a debtor's prison while your head's bowed and your eyes are closed. And he wrote a letter that illustrated his total despair. He was about to give up on life. But at the bottom of the letter was a postscript. It was obvious that he had sealed the letter, then reopened it to write the P.S. Then he sealed it up again, then he mailed it. And in the postscript he said, I had to reopen this letter to explain something. My debts have been paid. I am out of jail. I'm on my way home. I want to start over again. Some of us today need to reopen our letters because life's not over. You need to write a P.S. to the devil and to the world and tell all your doubts today and all your skeptics today. You need to say, hear me, unbelief. I'm going home. I will wait on the Lord. I'll renew my strength. Man can start over and he can come home again. So my question, watchman, what of the night? The night cometh, says the watchman, but he said, but also the morning. God always gets a new morning out of an old night. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and if anybody would like to receive the Lord in your heart today, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand all over the building. Raise your hand. Come on, let me see it. Let me see it. Let me raise your hand. All right, all right, all right. Put your hands down. And now I want everybody in this room, everybody in this room, I want you to pray this prayer with me because I want these people that's raised their hand to pray it. And you folks that raised your hand, I want you to pray it with all you have. Dear Lord, save me today. God, I'm sorry. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.